You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. And I wanted us to take just a moment and recognize what our nation celebrates today, Memorial Day, or this weekend. Memorial Day is a time to recognize the sacrifice that was made by men and women in uniform for us to enjoy our freedoms of religion, uh, freedoms of speech, and various other things that we take advantage of on a daily basis. Most of you know I served in the Marine Corps for nine years before I came into full-time ministry, and as a veteran, I'm very thankful for those that came on before me and paid the ultimate sacrifice. I've stood in Afghanistan when they've uh, stood in a uh, platoon, and the first sergeant does a roll call for the one who's passed. And there's an eerie silence that falls in that desert when the name is said, and there's no response given. The thoughts of each of us standing there know that one day it could have been us, our families receiving the body, the flag being presented to a loved one. I've met Marines from all across this nation. I've met people in the military from various different generations, each of them knowing the sacrifice that could be made. And not a one of them made that sacrifice so that we could be sad when we remember them or think about what they did. As a veteran who has shaken hands with those who have lost loved ones, as a pastor who has helped bury, who has been with families that have buried loved ones, I can, I can assure you that one of the things a loved one that has passed on, especially someone who gave their life so that you could enjoy freedom, doesn't want is for you to sit around and be sad. The lives were laid down by the men and women in uniform for you to enjoy this weekend. Have a cookout. Hug your family. Play disc golf and don't hurt your back. (laughs) Enjoy it. The Bible says, "No no greater love is there than this, than a man who would lay down his life for his friend. The men and women in uniform deserve honor and respect, but our Lord Jesus Christ deserves it more. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live in freedom and under the grace of God, not underneath a law, so that we could have salvation, free and clear. Travis being baptized this morning had to do nothing between Friday and now in order for him to be saved except for his faith in Jesus Christ. So today, as we as a nation remember those who gave their lives so that we may enjoy this weekend remembering them and loving on our families and friends, may we spend this Sunday and every Sunday reflecting upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. I would like for us to say a prayer right now, asking for God to comfort and be with those who have lost to war, and for each of us to remember why we are here. It's not just to sing songs or for the pastor to get in the water and dunk somebody. It's to worship the one who gave his life for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Lord, I've never lived in another country. I've been to them, I've seen them, Lord, but I've never lived in one. I don't know what it's, what it's like to really live outside of America. But God, I know what it means to be an American. And while my national pride will never take the place of my love, my care, my heart for you, I praise you and thank you for allowing me to live here. Lord, I thank you for us to be able to spread your word here in Bristol, Connecticut. God, I thank you for this weekend 
and what it represents. I thank you for each man and woman who willingly gave their lives so we may continue to enjoy this freedom. I thank you for the families that were at home supporting them as they pursued after what I'm sure many of them believe was your calling on their life. God, their, their, life may have end, may, their lives may have ended, but their memory lives on. It lives on in the hearts of each mother and father, brother and sister, spouse and child who lost a loved one to the battles that have been fought for this freedom. God, bring them comfort and peace this weekend. May you be glorified through the loss. And Lord, may we never forget the ultimate sacrifice paid for our freedom in Christ. Lord, as much as we celebrate today, a Memorial Day weekend, let us celebrate every day. Let us live every day in light of the sacrifice you made. Be with us this morning as we listen to this next song, God. May it prick our hearts. May it bring us to the place to give one more song, one more word of praise, one more gospel presentation because of what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. One more shattered heart singing you are good. 
Thank you, Jordan, for sharing that with us this morning. One more song. We're going to continue our series set apart today. We'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2. Before I move forward, though, there's a couple things I'd like to recognize. First off, uh, many of you know our executive pastor and youth pastor, Craig. Um, Saturday was his 39th birthday. And so we all just want to wish Craig a big happy birthday, buddy. Just welcome to it. Yeah, you're welcome. Just keep that going. He loves this, and so just keep that going. Don't be friends with the pastor. You never know where it can end up, right? All right, it's good. Hey, one more thing I want to do. Miss Nancy Carlson, I don't want to embarrass you, but it's so good to see you. We've been praying for Miss Nancy, and maybe one day she'll let me share some pictures, uh, but of, uh, she was in a car accident that uh, could have easily taken her life and uh, has overcome that. It's so good to see her here right now. We've been praying for her and her daughter and just glad to see God working in your life. And thanks for being here this morning. Let's give her another round of applause. Well, before we get into our message today, let's get rid of those that might be a distraction. Craig, Jordan, if you guys would leave. Oh, Deb, you too. Three years old to third grade, go ahead and make your way to the front, please, and right over here, be going down for a lesson at your level for our children's church. Three years old to third grade. There you go. Big high five. There you go. Good, good, good. All right. Hey, sweetheart, how are you? I can always tell when some families are absent based upon when their kids don't run by, right? That's all right. I was waiting for one. He never came. Hey, y'all. Take your time. That's cute. Good, good, good. All right. So we're going to continue our series, Set Apart. We're talking about being holy. We're talking about uh, holiness and being a set apart for God. It's been amazing 
to see God work and, and what God's done here at Liberty and not just the last few years, but let me share a story with you of what God's done this last week as, we, as we've continued to try to reach our community with the gospel in various different ways. This last Sunday night, we had our night at the park. If you missed it, you missed a great time. Sorry you weren't there. Our kids got to play wiffle ball. We played out there with them. We got them to play some volleyball. We celebrated Miss Cammie's birthday uh, and got to enjoy some, some time there. It was wonderful. And God used it in a way that only God can. While we were playing volleyball, there was a young lady showed up, and um, well, you, you know, you could tell like she's probably really good at volleyball. And of course, she she jumped into the sport with us. And it wasn't too long that I quickly turned to her and I said, "Hey, I'm so sorry that you have to play with us, because uh, you're really good and we're not." And she asked. She ended up talking with one of the ladies that was there. I had asked, like, hey, this is a big group. Like, how do y'all know each other? Oh, we're from Liberty Baptist Church, just that and the other. She began to cry because she'd been going through some things, and she had prayed, God, I need community, but you're going to have to show it to me. You're going to have to let, you're going to bring it to me. And I will know somebody will be wearing a blue shirt. So Pastor Dustin had his make disciples, not excuses, blue shirt on that night. That young lady was at our life group on Wednesday night. And God answered her prayer because a group of believers decided to go play volleyball together. Isn't our God good? Let's give him a big hand of praise this morning. I don't want you to ever think God can't use anything going on. As the Bible says, as believers were to gather so much more as the day approaches, it's not just talking about church, but anytime you can, frisbee golf or volleyball or coffee, whatever it may be, and God can use obedience in a way you would never know. But how wonderful it was to meet her, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do in her life. But today, we are jumping into 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, we saw how holiness is not necessarily about the things you do. It's about who you pursue. And when you're pursuing after Jesus, you're going to be doing things and living a holy life. And people are going to see that, and you could describe it as holiness. But, uh, it, and it's going to look different for each of us. Right? My, my life and my pursuit of Jesus is going to look different than yours. Some of you are just starting your journey pursuing Jesus. Some of you are much further down the road. And some of you are right there with me, just somewhere in the middle. And you're in the pursuit of Jesus. And as we see other people pursuing Jesus, we're not to judge them based upon how they are pursuing him. As long as it's not unscriptural, we should cheer them on as they seek to go after Christ. And that's what we looked at last week. And I have to bring that up because today we're going to see in 1 Peter 2, we encounter the word wherefore again, which means therefore, which points back to what was said before. You know, this weekend, or this Friday night, I'm speaking at a high school graduation, and we decided to focus on speaking on who you become in high school and who you become after high school, because those are, those should be, just so we're clear, two different people. Okay, all right, good. And, um, you know, think back. Do you remember your high school graduation? Do you remember high school? Some of you, yeah, some of you, like it was just the other day, Aiden and uh, Destiny just graduated this week. Congratulations, guys. Um, I remember high school. Who I was in ninth grade and who I was in 12th grade were not really the same people. Neither one of them was a really good person either, but that's a story for another day. When you go into high school, what is your one goal you have? Graduate, pass, get the diploma. I've got to get out of here because this is terrible, right? 
And in the pursuit of that, you're going to be doing things like homework. Well, I am living proof homework is optional, but that's a whole other story, y'all. All right, you're going to be doing homework, you'll be taking tests, you're going to be studying, you're going to be doing all these things in pursuit of this high school diploma. Along the way, you're going to make friends, and, and you, uh, you decided to have relationships that were either really good choices or probably really bad choices. I had a lot of really bad ones until I made the best one sitting right there. That's right. Yeah. Hey, fellas, that's called brownie points if y'all ain't done that recently, just so you know. But a lot of bad choices, like good choices, right? But in the pursuit of that high school diploma, you became somebody. You didn't just become a high school graduate. Yes, you achieved that goal. However, who you became on that journey was really what it was more about. And then now after high school, we, we hope and pray to God you change a bit. Uh, you're going to be pursuing different things. And you're going to become a person. Why? Was it because of all the exterior things you did and the homework you did and all this different stuff? They may have had an impact on you, but what really changed more than the waistline was who you are on the inside. Who you became in pursuit of your goal. As Christians, our goal is Jesus. The mark we shoot for is Christ. And in pursuit of that, he works in our hearts on the inside and helps us to become who he made us to be. Just like every person that pursues the high school diploma doesn't turn out to be the same, not every person that pursues Jesus turns out to be the same. Now that's okay, but there is one thing, at least one thing, I think, that should be a trademark of every Christian pursuing Jesus. Have you ever met someone that's pursued Jesus for like their entire lives, but their face didn't show it? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe, maybe it's in how they approach and interact with people. You find out they're a follower of Jesus, you're like, whoa, wait, what? I didn't know that. Maybe you're one of those people here today. Maybe you've lived your life for Jesus for so long, you, you forgot what joy it's supposed to produce in you. You found yourself discontented with where life has gone and the circumstances that have taken place, and now you're, you're not really living this joy-filled life. You don't find yourself talking joyfully about the Lord anymore. You're not sharing about Jesus with people you know and that need to hear about Him. You don't even desire to interact with other people because they're different than you. Maybe you, maybe you discovered that it takes more muscles to frown, frown than it does to smile, and you decided to make the public square your gym, and you're just trying to get gains. I don't know. Good, some of you got that. Thank you for the courtesy laughs in the back. Appreciate it. I don't know where you're at in your journey with Jesus, but I do know that when we pursue Jesus, there should be some fruit, something produced, and I think Peter sums that up in one word, friendliness. Today's message is titled, To Be Holy is to Be Friendly. Knowing that holiness is the pursuit of Jesus, the byproduct of that holiness, I believe, should be friendliness. Peter makes that very plain here in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I think that if you see today the wonderful journey that you're on with Jesus... It will produce that joy. It will help you to feel that love. 
and that excitement of that first day you trusted in Christ, or maybe when you got baptized. And I believe if you take the scripture and what you're going to hear today, you can choose to have that joy. You can choose to remember and choose to live out that, what Jesus brings in your life. And 1 Peter starts out, chapter 2, telling us what should not be in our lives. Now, we already went over what we talked about last week, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, Wherefore, that means therefore, pointing back, so because you are pursuing Jesus, living a holy life, because of those things, lay aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and evil speaking. This first, this first verse here incorporates a lot of words that I don't think we use in our everyday vernacular as 21st century believers. But what we do understand is the word laying aside means to, to put away, to not have as a part of us. Lay aside this list of things here. So let me define some of these words for you. The, the word malice means hostility. The word aguile can also be deceit, and it means being deceptive or dishonest. The word hypocrisy means to be insincere. Je envy means jealousy. And uh, evil speakings or slander uh, means defamation, talking negatively about a person and, uh, to, to, in order to get people to think less of them. Now, if I came to you and I said, listen, I know a guy that's hostile, dishonest, insincere, jealous, and a gossip. How many of you would say to me, I can't wait to meet him? I want to be that guy's friend. I want him at my birthday party. None of us. Why would you want to? That guy's probably very unfriendly. So I looked up, if we're supposed to lay aside these things, then I assume, being a simple-minded man that I am, that we should bring in the opposite things into our lives. Or as I was reminded in my studies this past week, antonyms to these words. Y'all going to learn something if you ever read anything I write. Number one, if it looks good, it was proofread by somebody. And two, English was not my favorite subject. But the antonyms of these words, the opposites of these words, I believe are things that we should have. So what are the opposite? Of, what's the opposite of malice? Being friendly. Not hostile. Deceit. <laughs> to be honest. Hypocrisy. Uh, it means to be open. I'm sorry. The opposite of that is to be open and fair. Envy. It doesn't mean contentment. And a new word I heard this past week in study, compersion. Anybody ever heard that word compersion before? All right, listen, I'm not that super smart. I just read it last week, okay? Compersion. It, it means to, des it describes how you can feel joy for another person. So when another person has success in their life, you are compersive if you feel that joy with them uh, as they are uh, celebrating what's going on. So if I came to you and I told you, hey, I know someone that is friendly, honest, fair, content with their life, and they speak kindly of others, how many would you say, I'd like to know that guy? Two of you. <laughs> We're going to try that again. If I came to you and told you there was a guy, the opposite of all that stuff, and was friendly, honest, fair, content, and speaks kindly of others. How many of y'all would like to meet him? Hi, my name's Dustin. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I don't know where that came from. Moving forward, we'd like to meet him, right? Why? Because he's a friendly guy. Because it sounds like a friendly person. Hmm. 
Peter said, because you're pursuing Jesus and living a life of holiness, lay aside these things. Now, I don't know about you, when I lay something aside, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. I've got to pick something else up. So if I'm laying aside hostility, maybe I should pick up friendliness. If I'm laying aside dishonesty, maybe I should pick up honesty. If I'm, I'm laying aside gossip, I should uh, pick up shutting my mouth. You know, Peter's looking at Christians and he's just telling them, be friendly. Now, I know I'm in New England. When I moved here, I, not even, I, wouldn't, I hadn't even moved here yet. We were on a survey trip. And as we were traveling with a real estate agent, we were looking at some homes and we're just kind of going around. We were meeting people at restaurants and things, uh, with servers and different stuff like that. And they would ask, they would hear our accent and ask, where are you from? What are you doing here? And the one question I love to get, why Connecticut? <laughs> because God. <laughs> I still get asked that question. I still give the same answer. Um, but I was always told, you got to watch out for us New Englanders. We're not that nice. And they're smiling at me while they say this. Now, y'all think you're meaner than you are, but I'll play in that stereotype for this. You know, um, we, were, we were pulling out of the house this morning to come over here. My wife gave me the perfect illustration for today. I already had another one planned, but I was like, nope, that one's better. I'll use it. How many of you have flower beds at home? All right. How many of you hate your flower bed? Both my hands are up. Okay. We have a flower bed in our home, and when we moved in, we're like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to plant flowers. Sarah even talked to Miss Susie, who Miss, Miss Susie's like a flower extraordinaire, and she gave us a list of like, and she drew it out, and like, plant this, plant like, yeah, we're going to do that, and we went, and we bought the stuff, and we planted it, and it looked really good for a couple weeks. And then, winter came. It all died, right? Nothing you could do happens. Well, in the last few months, it's began to rain, and we've started to see greenery prop up in our flower bed. Now, thankfully, Miss Susie, being the intelligent woman she is, said, here, get these things called an annuals. Are they annuals? Like, they, they come, they die, they come back? I didn't. I told you, I hate my flower bed, all right? Perennials. Some of those are coming back up, all right? There's something else coming up in our flower bed, too. Y'all know. All right, good. All y'all that love flower beds, I got one for you. All right? There is weeds all over this thing. These stupid little green things about that tall. looks like a little tree or something. It's ridiculous. And then for some reason, in my yard this year, I got those little things that you can blow on. It's like, woo, right? They're everywhere. Thank you. Listen, y'all, I didn't, I told you I'm not a smart person, okay? Little tree weed things. Do you know how much work I had to do to get those weeds to grow? Nothing. Do you know why the weeds are there? <laughs> so some of y'all spiritual, amen. That's right, the fall of man brought those things. Because <laughs> I didn't do anything to prevent them from growing. You see, if we're going to lay aside things, we're going to put some work into making sure they don't hop on our back and start going with us. We're going to have to actually put some effort into not being hostile. We're going to have to actually put some effort into keeping those things away from our life and actually growing the things that are good. See, maybe for you, kindness is a, a, a perennial, and it just shows up. Or for the rest of us that rely on coffee for it, it doesn't work out so well. 
and we have to work at it. But where does that come from? Well, I believe the greatest kindness can come from your relationship with Jesus. You see, if I were to go out into my flower bed, I would have to, and to try and make it pretty, I would, I would have to plant some new seeds. I'd have to pour some water on the seeds. I'd have to de-weed the stupid thing. And then I'd have this big, beautiful flower bed that all the neighbors would drive by and go, oh, look how pretty that is. He must really take care of his house. No, he just don't want to hear his wife say anything about it anymore. Huge difference. You see, if we're not careful, we're going to let that entire list grow up in us. And we are no longer a beautiful flower bed that points back to Jesus, but a garden full of weeds that shames his name. But in our pursuit of Jesus, living a holy lifestyle, when we're pursuing him, we will find we can easily lay those aside. But we've got to put work into it. Now for us, we've got to put some simple work. Because God's going to do the hard stuff. We just have to, we have to open our hearts to him. We have to yield to the Holy Spirit. We have to take the opportunities we have for patience or for long-suffering and for anger and malice and hostility and all these different things. And in those moments, we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, like when you're driving and there's construction and you're back here and this guy goes up here waiting to get in. Now, some of you would say that's how you're supposed to do it. Some of you God-fearing people would understand, just work your way in as you go. And don't skip me. In those moments, we get to choose. Are we going to yield to the Holy Spirit to work on growing that beautiful flower bed? Or is that a moment we're going to allow for that weed to spring up? Now, my first point is coined in such a way that I just want you to be able to remember it. I grew up thinking, I'll tell you the phrase it came from, but I used to think this phrase was in the Bible. Have you ever heard cleanliness is next to godliness? Y'all heard it? Okay, that is not in the Bible. Who knew? Now, it doesn't, kids, don't, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. don't you use it as an excuse. Friendliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible either, just so we're clear. Friendliness is next to godliness. Because Peter says that because I'm pursuing Jesus, I should not have these unfriendly traits in my life. Therefore, I should have friendly traits in my life as in my pursuit of him. So that other people may think I'm friendly? No. So they can see that and say, what's different about you? Why are you so happy? Why are you going through one of the most difficult times of your life, but you still have joy on your face? No. Let me tell you about Jesus. Because that's who I'm pursuing. And that's who people see when we choose to lay aside these things. Warren Wiersbe said, When Christians are growing in the word, they are peacemakers, not troublemakers. And they promote unity in the church. Now, many of you know, I always try to bring an application to us as 21st century Christians. It's very practical. And I thought about this one. And I read this quote in my study. And I thought, man, that's so good. And I wouldn't say that any of us would say, like, I'm a troublemaker on the, on, at face value. We don't walk into a room and go, okay, who can I get to fight today? Maybe you do. But how many of us can find ourselves on social media more than willing to instigate an argument? More than willing to stir the pot? 
How many of us can find ourselves seeing things on social media, taking a picture of it, and send it to someone else going, can you believe they said that? Hey, is this about you? I think they're talking about you. <laughs> See, that's called a troublemaker. But as Christians, we should be peacemakers. We should not be the ones that are trying to instigate disunity among people, but to bring people unity on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're seeking to be friendly as we pursue him. That understanding, that mindset, and that ability comes from knowing Jesus. And Peter points to how we know God, how we know Christ, as we know his word, and we obey the Holy Spirit. He speaks of knowing the word in, chat, in verses 2 and 3 in a fantastic way that illustrates something that's wrong with us if we're not, if we're not seeking to uh, read his word or to be a part of the Bible. Notice this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We've got a few newborn babes in the church. I'm so grateful for them. I remember those early years, and I'm very thankful they're gone. I like sleep, y'all. I do miss it from time to time. What I don't miss is when they're hungry. And you get to hear that cry. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like newborn babes can let you know if something's wrong. They let you know if they desire a change in their environment. Right? If they want to be held, they'll let you know. If they want to be put down, they'll let you know. If they think they want to be put down but don't realize that and want to be picked back up, they will let you know. If they're hungry, they will let you know. If they are desiring something, there is something they will do in order for you to understand that they want a change of what's going on and you need to meet that need. And Peter says to desire the word is a sincere, desire the sincere milk of the word as newborn babes that you may grow thereby. And then he goes, there's a, a colon there and goes into the next sentence and he uses a phrase that I don't think I've ever said except for when I read the Bible. If so be ye. Okay, what's that mean? Well, in, in a more modern vernacular, it could be said, um, um, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious means if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now again, not, not many of us often use that phrase there, if you have tasted that something is good. So we understand this to know that if we believe the Lord is good, then we will seek his word. We will desire his word. So when we have trouble in our lives, we're saying, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to hear about the things of God. I don't need to know this stuff. My question for you is not what is so wrong with you in the Bible. My question is what's wrong with you in Jesus. Because Peter says that his newborn babes desire the sincere milk. Why do they desire the milk? Because they know it's good. Well, John chapter 1 says Jesus is the living word. And we're to desire the word. And if we know that the living word is good, then the written word must be beneficial for us. So what do you believe about Jesus? You say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I believe he is my Savior. Yeah, okay, but do you believe he's good? Is he good enough to give some time to throughout the day? Is he good enough to open his word and to spend time reading about him? Is he good enough to spend time talking to him? 
You see, if you have friends, if you have relationships in your life, I'm sure you make time for them. If you're married, you understand what it means and the importance of making time for that person in your life. But let me ask yourself, if you spent as much time with your spouse as you did with Jesus, how would your relationship be? If we know that God is good, then we should desire his word as newborn babes desire milk. We believe he's God. We believe he died for us, but sometimes I think we forget how good he is. One of the reasons I say that is because as, as many different devices as we can have Bibles on, and many written Bibles are in houses in America, even to this day, statistics are still steadily declining to the amount of time Christians are spending in their Bible. So it's not an access issue. It's a desire issue. Desire is often misunderstood. Some of us can think of desire as an emotion. Y'all are right at Golden Corral? Yeah? Okay, first off, I hate buffets. And I think it's because, like, every time church ended when I was young, it was either a buffet or Arby's. Arby's was a special treat because that place was high before inflation hit. But a buffet in the South, that's good eating. Thank you. The guy from Virginia agrees with me. You go through that line and you, you can have, oh Lord, just mm, manna from heaven. Not the green stuff, the steaks, what I'm talking about. Imagine a golden crowd, it's burger day. And you're going up there, you got your tray because it's Golden Corral, and you, he's sitting there and he's got these big juicy burgers, putting cheese on the top while it's on the grill, it's melting down, puts another one on top and a piece of cheese, you're getting a double burger, right? He throws a basket of fries out there and you're just sitting there, hmm, yeah, come on, come on, let's go. And then you feel this little tap. You're in the zone. You... What, what, what? And it's your daughter. Now, if you don't have a daughter, let me tell you, there's a look your daughter can give you. It changes your world, okay? And you're, oh, oh the desire for the burger is strong in this one, okay? That tap comes. Daddy? Yeah, what's up? And I mean, you're just, you're waiting. Shouldn't we get a salad? Maybe you should get a salad. <laughs> but you are now at the crux of a decision. Do I set the example for my daughter or do I not? Now, you desire that burger. And let me tell you right now, I'm desiring that burger the more I'm talking about it. But your desire sh should change the moment that little girl looks up at you and says, Daddy, shouldn't you get a salad? Daddy, shouldn't you eat healthy as an example to me? All you men are hating me right now. I get it. What happened? Your desire changed. But why did your desire change? Because your thoughts changed. It wasn't emotional. It might be emotional as you cry walking away from that burger. But your desires changed because of your thoughts because of the situation you're in. There was a sudden shift in your mind because you knew I need to be a better, I need to be a role model, role model to my daughter rather than just eat this big 
juicy double cheeseburger and fries. <sighs> Next, just put lettuce on it. That's fine. But you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make when it comes to Jesus. Are you desiring Jesus or are you desiring everything else? Is it because you're looking out amongst you and saying all these things are good and Jesus is okay? Grabbing my calendar and saying everything I filled it with is good and Jesus I'll fit in if I can because he's okay? Because your desire is you saying it is better for me to do this than it is for me to do that. So your desire for the sincere milk of the word of God is based upon your thoughts about Jesus and who he is. Because the moment you think, maybe I shouldn't read my Bible today, maybe I shouldn't spend time in prayer today, maybe I shouldn't meditate upon Scripture, maybe I shouldn't do something to deepen my relationship with Jesus today, stop and ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? And if you are a follower of Jesus, there's a few answers to that question, the first one being your Savior. And then ask yourselves this, do I believe Jesus is good? And if you're a follower of Jesus and have a negative response to that, we have a whole different conversation we need to have. You will not desire the sincere milk of the word until you believe Jesus is better than everything else out there. What did I say last week? We're forgetful. So forgetful. I wanted... As I, as I studied this, I prayed over it and thought about this, I wanted to find some other resource besides myself that would kind of help you understand this desire uh, is not an emotion. And I, I found an article in Psychology Today. Now, this is not an endorsement of everything they write, okay? However, in this one article titled Desire, the Misunderstood Emotion, they said desire is a motivational state rather than a pure emotion. It highlights the distinction between emotions which are often considered to be relatively short-lived, and desires which are seen as a driving force that influences our behaviors and choices over a long period of time. Desire is a choice, not a feeling. Hey, y'all, I've woke up plenty of mornings and not felt like getting up and going to work, but I desire the result of the work. Some of us wake up and we're not feeling like spending time with Jesus. But are you desiring what comes from being with Jesus? We all like to do things for Jesus, but Jesus didn't say do a bunch of stuff for me. He said abide in me, and I will abide in you. And from that, things are done. You know, your pursuit of Jesus is at different levels. Some of you need to open the Gospel of John and understand who Jesus is more. Some of you need to, you've read your Bible so much, you read it and you're reminded of it constantly. Maybe you need to stop and just meditate on it. Maybe you need to spend more time in prayer. Maybe some scripture memory would help. Whatever it is, whatever choice you need to make when revolving around the word of God, understand that God is good, Jesus is good, and desire that sincere milk of the word. And when you do that, you're going to see growth. You'll see a change of attitude. And it'll change because of the daily choices you're making. 
And Peter describes this perfectly in verses 4 and 5. He says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. He says, Come to God as a living stone. He, Jesus is the cornerstone which our faith is established upon and built. And we're being built into a spiritual house, a, a, a holy priesthood, a holy set-apart priesthood. Now, the priesthood in Israel were the ones who worked the temple and was representative of God there and, and took care of the sacrifices and would do all those things. And as we develop our relationship with Jesus, we grow into a holy priesthood that's willing to make those sacrifices for Christ. What are some of those spiritual sacrifices we can make? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So Paul says our physical bodies, the way we eat, the way we take care of ourselves, truly all of who you are should be presented as a sacrifice to God. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So spiritual sacrifice is the praising of God. Hebrews 13, 16 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. There's good works. Romans 15, 16 says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. This is Paul preaching the gospel, and people he's won to the Lord are being lifted up as holy sacrifices. As we grow in the Lord, we make sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices, because we're, as we're pursuing him, living that holy lifestyle, we're making decisions that are going to result in that. Now, some of you need to make the de simple decision of just starting your walk with God daily. Some of you need to speak of Jesus more to other people and offer up sacrifices of evangelism, if you will. Some, it could be good works. Maybe you just need to sit and praise God some. And there's more in Scripture, but to not belabor the point and go much further in time. You need to understand, we are to be a holy priesthood. We are to, we are to be growing into that, and that happens as we pursue Jesus, knowing he's good, desiring his word to learn more about him and learn more of him. John Maxwell made a statement in a talk he gave recently, and it goes like this. You have to do the work on the inside for you to serve others on the outside. Now, plenty of us can serve. You can do a bunch of things, but the question is, what's your motive? Where's it coming from? Where's your heart? As you pursue Jesus, it's going to change who you are on the inside. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been pursuing him for a while and you look back within six months or a year or 10 years and you say, I'm the same person today that I was then, you've stopped pursuing Jesus. How do I know that? Bible as we pursue Jesus, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to grow into that holy priesthood, making those spiritual sacrifices for God. And the spiritual sacrifices will become uh, different and bigger as you grow as a believer. These believers here, this was written to modern-day northern Turkey. They saw Peter's writing as an admonishment to be friendly, 
to desire the word of God because God is good and to grow into that holy priesthood, representatives of Jesus to the world. The same admonishments made to you and I today. Choose to desire God and pursue him because he is good. Grow in Christ. Please, not for the love of God, but because of the love of God, be friendly. Exercise for you. Watch this. You can do that and it's free. And it can change someone's day. It can give you the opportunity to tell them why you're smiling. I love interacting. I say I love. I have the fortunate and unfortunate opportunity to interact with people at some of the worst times of their life. I can think of people right now that I know have went on to be with the Lord, but as they were battling cancer, I would still sit with them and see a smile. They'd, jo- be, they'd be joking and jovial, rejoicing in the Lord, knowing there's a death sentence on their heads. And I don't know about you. Some of you may be battling that right now. Most of you probably aren't. But are you able to go through the day and just smile for Jesus? If that's a struggle for you, I'm afraid you forgot. Jesus is good. And we should desire him. And in pursuing him, we'll be friendly. Would you bow with me, please? At the end of every message, we have what's known as a time of response. I'm just asking you to respond to the message you heard today. I don't know what the Holy Spirit brought to your mind or heart. I don't know what you're dealing with. What I do know is this. There is a God, and he loves you. And he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And on the third day, he rose again. And by faith in him, you can be saved. There are many of you in this room that have made this decision to trust in Jesus as your Savior. And I know you're praying right now for people to be saved. There may be some of you here this morning that's not made that choice. I want to give you the opportunity today. If you'd like to trust in Jesus as your Savior this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and the silence of your own heart, you can say something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you are the Son of God that died for my sins. Dear Jesus, I trust you as my Savior. I ask you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'd love to talk to you. If you're a believer here this morning, I want to ask you about your relationship with Jesus. Have you found yourself being sour, unfriendly, unkind, irritable, agitated, overwhelmed by the things of this life, and it's just got you treating people in such a way that you're really not that great to be around sometimes? Hey, listen, we all go through those seasons. Let today be the reminder to you that's not what God intended. Jesus said, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, my yoke, my example of how to live upon you, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but I'm very happy when I'm resting. We find rest in living the way Jesus called us to. And one example Jesus gave often was he would get alone and be with the Father. 
I stand before you today to remind you, God is good. Jesus loves you. Desire him. It's a choice. Make it daily. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. God, thank you for the example we have in Scripture. For Peter's writing here under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray each of us will take this message and walk away, making the choice to desire you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for your time this morning. I have a couple things I want to bring to your attention. I'm very excited about this. We got a call earlier this year from Bristol Little League uh, because last year we volunteered to take over their concession stand during tournaments and so things of that nature. So they called us this year and said, hey, are you still interested? <laughs> Absolutely. And so we've signed up for June 10th. June 10th is a Saturday. Now, when we signed up, I could have swore Craig and I were looking at it and it was just a, uh, a thing that was like eight to noon or one o'clock. We made a little boo-boo and we signed up for a day that has night games. So no matter the time of day, there's a spot for you. But June 10th, in all seriousness, if you would, please go ahead and you can go online, lbcbristol.org slash Bristol League. Bristol League, and you'll be able to sign up for a spot there and let us know what time you're going to be there. We've already said we're going to do it. So either our staff is about to have a full day of serving on a Saturday, and I get to come here dragging it in on Sunday, or we as a church get to look at our community and say, hey, we love Bristol, and we're going to serve these kids. Because I want you to wear your We Love Bristol shirts, because I want people to be like, hey, what's that? <laughs> now I get to talk to you about my church. We had a great time last year, a great opportunity to just show this community we love them. I'll be honest with you. If we just get to show them the love of Christ and tell people about Jesus a few times, I don't really care if they ever come to church. I want them to know that there is a church here for them that loves them and loves Jesus and wants them to to meet. So if you would, please, lbcbristol.org slash Bristol League and sign up for a day to go serve. You can, uh, what is it, you can like check out people, not check out people, that's weird, don't do that. <laughs> You can man the register, uh, you can uh, work the fryer, you can work the grill, like whatever you want to do there, it's great. Uh, so you can sign up for that and um, know there's a spot for you. Uh, Mumfest is Saturday, September 23rd and Sunday, September 24th. Please mark your calendars for that day. Block them off. And for those of you that say I can do things last minute sometimes, I got you on this one. September 23rd and 24th. Let's go ahead and block our calendars off and make time to be able to be a presence at the Mum Festival. We're hoping to do a float this year. And I uh, would love for us to have a great, great presence in taking, uh, preparing for that, but also out there that day. Uh, and then lastly, we have Camp Liberty, our vacation Bible school, as many of you know it as, Camp Liberty coming up. Uh, it's called Kingdom Chronicles this year. It's going uh, back in time to knights and castles and all that fun stuff. It's going to be great great. Um, we are having a VBS meeting after the service today. So if you are already signed up for, I need to talk to you. If you would like to sign up for uh, VBS, uh, go ahead and come to that. We're going to meet right up front here. Hey, Craig, can you give me the dates on VBS? I don't think I have that. What are the dates of VBS? 
July 24th through the 28th. It'll be a morning VBS, 9 to noon. We're looking for people to help out with snacks, games, uh, and just random different things throughout the day. I promise you we have a spot to serve. Uh, if you can't serve, would you do me a favor and commit to pray? Pray that it'll be a great opportunity for us to bring kids in, to hear the gospel, and to know Jesus. Uh, because that we, don't, we don't just do this because it's a lot of fun. We do this so, pe- so kids can hear the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we do everything we do. And so... Um, the VBS media right to service right down here. Last thing I need to do, Laura and Joe, if y'all come up here, please. Uh, this is Laura and her mother, Josephine, and uh, they have uh, just completed, along with a few other people in here, our next step seminars last week and have decided to join our church. And they have both uh, trusted in Jesus as their Savior, been scripturally baptized by immersion, and I've heard their testimony. And if you just welcome them into fellowship, would you say amen, please? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Ladies, if you'll have a seat, please do me a favor. Before you leave, come up and say hi and introduce yourself. Let them know we're a friendly church because I can't preach a message about friendliness and that's, let's be unfriendly. Okay, so come say hi. All right, let's stand, sing our closing chorus, and have a great day today. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.